podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. So good to see everyone this morning. Bright, happy, sunshining faces. Christ has risen. I love it that we say that every Sunday. Like, you don't have to just reserve that for Easter Sunday. Like, every day you can say, He is risen. You can remind yourself that He is risen. Well, good morning. My name is Christy Duncan, and I have the joy and privilege of sharing the word with you. It's going to be good. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Um, So we have been on a series. We right now are in a season called Advent. And every week we've kind of just been reminding everybody of what Advent is. So just another reminder, Advent is the season where we reflect on his first coming. Okay, we take the time to reflect and remember him coming as a baby, him coming to this earth, um, giving his life. Then we also, um, we want to build an anticipation in our heart for his next coming. So we remember his first coming, but we want to remind ourselves and, and, and build the anticipation that he is coming again. Like this isn't the final here. Like this isn't it. There's more to come. If we can fathom that, there's more to come. And that can breathe excitement and life into us. And then it's also a season to experience his coming into our life daily. Christ has come and he is constantly returning and showing himself in our lives on a daily basis. And so that is what Advent is all about. And that's why we take the time to observe it and to um, partner with this season. So the past few weeks, uh, the first Sunday of Advent, Pastor Jonathan spoke on how God is near in the chaos And then last week, Dan spoke on how God is near in the wilderness. And today I am speaking on God is near in our hardship. Now, if you're like me, at first you hear all that and you're like, wow, those are kind of downers. (laughs) Are we in Christmas? Or I'm kind of confused. (laughs) Where's like jingle bells and like the jolly stuff and the gifts and all of that? Where is that at? That's coming, guys. That is coming. But part of partnering with Advent in this season is, A, I think we all at some point in our life walk through seasons of chaos, walk through seasons of hardship and and wilderness seasons. But it's also a time of identifying with uh, what was going on when Christ came. Uh, What was going on in, in Israel and with the children of Israel, with the Hebrews, and what was happening in that time when Christ came. And I think it's really important um, that we take the time. If we're not careful, we'll just kind of do life and live life and not take a lot of time to sit and identify with the pain of other people. We won't sit. And, and what happens is, is when we don't do that, we are not impacted as much as we could be, and therefore we don't impact as much as we could. All right, so we have the opportunity to identify with Israel before Christ came. Before Christ came, you guys, there was 400 years of silence. 400 years God didn't speak. There was no prophecy. There was no word being written for 400 years, you guys. 
400 years. Persecution under the Roman Empire was ridiculous. I don't know if how many of you guys have ever watched any documentaries or anything on the Roman Empire, but they were a brutal society. And Israel was living under the weight of, of the Roman Empire. The longing for the promises given through prophecy to be fulfilled. The longing in their heart. The, I mean, you guys, come on, let's be honest. Our prophecies don't come to pass in one year and we are freaking out and ready to leave the church. Okay? 400 years, or more than 400 years of prophecies that have been given, not fulfilled, not brought to pass. That would challenge some of us. All right, people's lifetimes going and passing and passing and still no promise fulfilled. They were living under the disappointment, the hopelessness of, of no, no prophecies being fulfilled. And then the burden of an impossible religious standard and system. At that time, the, the religious system that they lived under, it was impossible. It was impossible to live on their own. So here they are, you guys, under the weight of this burden And then Christ came. And then Christ came. So it's important that we don't just write off these messages as, oh, well, I'm not in a season of chaos or I'm not in a season of wilderness. Well, that is awesome. Somebody else is. (laughs) And if people around you aren't, guess what? Throughout history, people have been. And it's an important thing that we as a church stop and take the time to identify with the pain of people, with the suffering of others. I'm wondering what the impact of the church would look like if we did this more often. If before we chose to criticize and critique and teach and let me show you how to do it, we took the time to actually feel people's pain. It would empower us to speak and bring the love and life of Christ. So today, I am getting to encourage you that the Lord is near in hardship. Uh, Messages on hardship can be pretty tricky (laughs) to speak on uh, because all of us have touched hardship in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Some of our hardships have... Uh, been seriously difficult. Some of us have had them in the past. Some of us are currently in hardship right now. And it would be really, really, really easy today to take and hear the things I'm saying and interpret, interpret them through that place of pain and anger and disappointment. But I'm trusting the Holy Spirit today to put a guard on your ears. I'm trusting him today to speak to you. I'm telling you, with a message like this and with so many different nuances and so many different experiences in this place, guys, there is no way that I can hit every single person's situation right on, but Holy Spirit can. He can take the simple things I'm bringing. I'm bringing simple things, not easy things, but simple things. And he can make them make sense to you. And he can speak to right where you're at. So there's a two-way responsibility today. Okay, I have a responsibility to be faithful to the scripture and to bring truth. But you have a responsibility to partner with the Holy Spirit in the way that you receive what you hear today. Amen? Amen. All right. So today I'm trusting that we will not partner with the accuser, but we're going to partner with the Holy Spirit. Now today I'm not here to answer the deepest theological questions on hardship, all right? There's been messages about that. Jade's done some, Jonathan's done some. Um, Chris Green, if you're not familiar with him, look him up. He's got some great messages on the theology of hardship. I'm not here to do that today. I'm here um, to talk about some of the simple ways that we can navigate it with joy. The bottom line is that at the end of the day, hardship touches all of us in some way, shape, or form. And if it hasn't touched your life yet, it will. It will. And I know we don't like that, but the word of God promises it. (laughs) 
It actually promises it. We talk about standing on the promises of God. (laughs) He promises that there will be hard times. Uh, Dan read the scripture last week, but in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. You will. But, I love that, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Amen. I love this um, quote by Elizabeth Elliot. If you don't know who she is, um, she is the, the widow of, of um, her husband, was one of the men who um, was killed bringing the gospel to Ecuador many, many years ago. So I think she, she understands a little bit about hardship. But she says this quote, I am not a theologian or a scholar, but I am very aware of the fact that pain is necessary to all of us. In my own life, I think I can honestly say that out of the deepest pain has come the strongest convictions of the presence of God and the love of God in my life. So good. So today we're going to be focusing in on um, some of the teachings of the Apostle Paul. Hopefully most of us are familiar with Paul. Um, He was... um, He was a a Jewish man who was um, persecuted uh, Christians, I mean, harshly, harshly. And then Christ showed up to him one day on the road to Damascus, had this amazing encounter with the Lord, um, came to Jesus, then became this huge missionary to the whole Gentile world. And so if you don't know much about the Apostle Paul, man, I encourage you. He's actually one of my all-time favorite people. I just, oh, I just love that man. He was amazing. Um, But the Apostle Paul was no stranger to hardship. I think he understood hardship. He spent many nights in the prison cell, and he was beaten brutally many times before he'd be thrown in prison. He was shipwrecked. He uh, He had to part ways with good friends over differences. He was betrayed, gossiped about, misrepresented. He was conspired against both by... Uh, non-believers and believers. He battled in his health. He was bitten by a viper. If all that wasn't bad enough, he got bit by a snake. That's awful. Uh, he He was distrusted by many of his own people. He had things in his life, you guys, that he never overcame. Now that'll mess with you. A thorn in his flesh that as long as he was on this earth, he never overcame that, but somehow he found the grace of God in it. He was greatly distrusted because of his past sins, and he was judged and criticized both by unbelievers and believers alike, and this is just some. The man knew hardship. The man knew something about hardship, and so it's from that place today that uh, we read from the text of Philippians 4, chapter 4, 4 through 7. Many believe that uh, Paul was writing this from the prison cell in Rome. There's some dispute, but most people believe that he was in a Roman prison. So he's in prison writing this to the Philippian church. He had a very, very special relationship with the Philippian church. Um, and, and so I would encourage you guys to, to spend some time in, in the Philippians. I love this book. But Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, I've been studying on this whole passage for the past month. And you guys, you could do a six-month series easily just on this passage. There's so much here. I'm just learning even in myself, my hunger to understand these scriptures more and go deeper. It's just growing because we read these words and it's nice and it's great and we apply them the best we can to our life. But guys, there's deeper stuff here. So I wanna encourage you, don't just hear these passages on a Sunday, but take them home, get a commentary, get some other books and allow it to come to life because there are things that, you know what I love about the word is you will dig and dig and dig and you will always find gold. The gold of the word never runs dry. And if in some ways, the gold just gets more brilliant the deeper you go, all right? So there are four exhortations that Paul gives in this scripture. The first one is to rejoice in the Lord always, okay? Number two, let your gentleness be evident to all. And there's so much even in this. Um, I'm not talking about gentleness today, but um, something that's really cool is when we hear gentleness, we all have kind of our ideas of what that means, but he was talking to a people who were being persecuted. And so basically he was talking about not putting back on others what you're receiving. And anyway, it's really awesome. Um, Number three, be anxious for nothing. Do not be anxious. Number four, but pray and petition with a posture of gratitude. All right, so these are the four exhortations he's giving in this passage. Now we're gonna focus on one and, and, and time won't even do justice for this one. But today we're gonna hone in on this rejoice in the Lord always, all right? Rejoice in the Lord always. I think a lot of us have an idea of what it means to rejoice. Um, It's more than just happy feelings. It really is a a deep joy. Happiness is a fruit of it, true authentic happiness. Um, But it it is a deep joy from within. And I think many of us understand the always part, like always in every circumstance, When you're high, when you're low, when you're just mundane, all of it, we should always be rejoicing. But today I wanna even take a microscope even further in. And let's talk about in the Lord. Because I think we have some ideas about rejoicing and we have ideas about always, but what does that mean to rejoice in the Lord? In the Lord, what is that? This phrase has something to tell us concerning the ability that Christians have to do what is not natural. To them, what is not natural to us in our own ability, all right? Standing in the Lord makes people who can't stand up in their own strength stand. It's that in the Lord piece that gives us the ability to stand when we can't stand on our own. It is not possible to maintain true and authentic joy without the supernatural grace of God. It's not possible. It is only in him and through him that we can live such a life in the face of difficulties. Guys, this is not in our ability to muster something up. It's not in our ability to just deny what we're going through and just say, I'm just gonna press through and I'm just gonna be joyous. I'm just, it's not enough to just will it. There is a grace that comes in, in rejoicing in the Lord. We who are in the Lord are strong and secure through our relationship with him. Therefore, we can rejoice in our position of relationship and rightly relate to our possession of strength. We relate to our possession of strength and joy through our position of relationship with him. So all that we have, you guys, is because of the relationship 
through Christ. That's our source. That's our strength today that we're talking about. Now, I do have some disclaimers and some things that I want to clarify before I keep going and before I really get into my points. This is what I'm not saying. (laughs) And I think this is really important, again, when we're talking about something such as hardship, because we all come in with some of our different perspectives and pain and hurts around this very subject, and and particularly around how the church has taught this particular subject. And so this, I want to make sure I'm clear of what I'm not saying. This is what I'm not saying. To rejoice in the Lord does not mean to evade obvious issues. Okay, rather it means to be fully cognizant of the situation, fully prepared to deal with it responsibly and fully convinced of the power of the Lord to give wisdom, grace and courage to deal with whatever comes along. Amen. The other thing I'm not saying is I'm not saying that it doesn't mean that you can, it, it, it also does not mean that care, concern and grief do not have a real place in the Christian experience because it absolutely does, okay? Care, concerns, grief, there is a place for that and there is a season for that. And so what I'm not saying today is that you should never experience or feel these things or have seasons of these things because that's not biblical either, (laughs) okay? So much of, of the biblical world is an attention and this is part of that tension. Now, there are times and places and seasons for such things, but what I'm talking about today is we don't wanna stay in a chronic state We don't want to stay in a chronic state of fear, worry, grief, despair, and anxiety, because that is not the Lord's best for us. To live constantly in that place is not the Lord's best for us. It's not the Lord's best for you. And this does not, the, the points I'm about to give you do not replace getting the room and the place for professional help, okay? If there's things in the realm of anxiety or other things that you deal with, I'm not saying that these things are to replace practical help that you need. These things are to partner together. Amen? I just want to make sure I'm clear because sometimes we can walk out of here with wonky ideas, all right, and think that I'm saying that this is all you ever have to do. And okay, that these things work together. The Lord takes his supernatural power and he places it on very natural things like doctors and friends and counselors and pastors and things like that to bring about his answer. Okay. All right. So I want to make sure we're clear on all that. All right. So now we're going to get into some very simple and practical points that are so, so simple. And you guys are going to be like, oh, I know this. But my question today is, do you do it? Okay. I'm kind of that voice of that person who's like, yes, I'm probably going to tell you things that you've heard a million times, but are you doing it? Do you practice it? Do you partner with it? I I grew up under an amazing pastor most of my life, Pastor Billy Joe Doherty from Victory Christian Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he passed a few years ago, but that man was the most practical, simple man ever. He had a mega church. I grew up in a huge church. Um, And his messages, he kind of rotated them. (laughs) And after a while, you're like, oh, I know this message. I know the stories, da, 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 da. And a lot of people would get bored with that. But my parents were so faithful and kept us in that church for so much of my life. And you know what now? It's those messages I remember. It's those foundations that have sustained me in hard times. I hear messages from Pastor Billy Joe and stories and examples. And so sometimes it's the most simple things that we miss and gloss over because we think we know it. So today, let's not just know it. Say, Lord, I don't wanna just know it today. 
I want a revelation of it. Amen? All right. Another important thing that I want to say is this is not a formula. I'm about to give you eight points. And I know that sounds like a lot. We're not going to go in super depth on all of them. I promise I'm not keeping you here late. You will get out on time. But it's important that you know that these points are not a formula. We love our formulas. We're like, man, tell me what to do. Tell me to do this and this and this and tell me I'm gonna get this every time. And that's not how it works. These are practices and principles that allow us to partner with the Holy Spirit to bring about the change in our unique lives. Because guys, we're all unique. We all go, we may go through some similar things, but there's all uniqueness in how it happens. And so the Holy Spirit deals with us uniquely, but there are spiritual and biblical principles that guide us that give us rail, you know, railings to help guide us through seasons of hardship. And so these are some of those points. All right, the first one is, again, the focus is in the Lord, to rejoice in the Lord. What does it mean in the Lord? Bring our, we bring our cares to him first. We bring our cares to him whether that's in your closet or in the, if you're like me, that's in the car or in the shower or wherever I have some quiet space for like 10 minutes, you bring your cares to the Lord. And you don't bring them all, you know, for you bring them as yourself. You bring them honestly. Guys, you can be raw with the Lord. He already knows you're thinking it. He already knows you're feeling it. And so actually, what is that saying to him that he knows what you're thinking and feeling, but you refuse to share it with him? You don't trust him, exactly, exactly. But what does it say to him when he, he, you are here, he knows and you're entrusting him with your feelings and with your concerns. So we bring our cares to him honestly and in a real authentic way, all right? Number two, we submit our will to his. So we bring him our cares, but then we submit our will to his. You know, the prayer that we like to pray on a weekly basis, the Lord's prayer, that's not just a saying. That's not just a religious act. It's teaching us to daily submit our will to his. Say, not my kingdom come, but your kingdom come. Your will be done in this day and in this situation. So we bring our cares before him. We submit our will to him. And then we receive our daily bread. We receive our daily bread. What does that mean to receive our daily bread? At that moment, we receive mercy. We receive grace. We receive joy. We receive his love and his acceptance. We receive his perspective. We receive his ways of thinking. It's that daily bread that we need. So we bring our cares to him. We submit our will to his. We receive our daily bread. And then we meditate on his word. We meditate on his word. His word through his actual word, the Bible, That's through messages. That's filling ourselves with messages um, that are going to encourage us. That's scripture. That's uh, worship songs. Those are things that basically are setting our gaze on him. We're taking, we're being intentional about not being just so consumed with the world around us, but to stop and to put our gaze on him. To rejoice in the Lord is to be focused on him and not my circumstance or just how I feel. We have to acknowledge those things, but he's got our gaze. So meditating on the word, reflecting on the word, taking time to just focus our minds on it is so important. You know, when you follow this scripture passage a little bit further to Philippians 4, 8 through 9, um, it goes into 
this, this part which says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right and pure and lovely and admirable, think about those things. Guys, what we stew on is important. And we're going to stew on something. So either we're going to stew on our circumstances or we can train ourselves. And some of it, you guys, it's a discipline. Some things we have to train ourselves in, okay? We just do. And I'm going to get a little more into that in just a second. But it's setting our gaze and our hearts on him. So we cast our cares upon him. We submit our will to his. We receive from him everything that we need to do life and we meditate on his word. The fifth one is we choose to focus on his character. His character, he is faithful, you guys. The Lord is faithful. The Lord is just. He is sovereign and he is truth. The Lord is love. He is eternal life. He is righteous. He is omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient. The Lord is good. And we focus on who he is. Amen? You guys got to be a little more vocal. (laughs) Wake up. All right. So we focus on the Lord. So we cast our cares on him. We submit our will to his. We receive our daily bread to do the things that are set before us to do. We meditate on him, on his word, on scripture, through worship, through messages. And then we focus on his character, on who he is. All right, number six, we remember his goodness. We remember his goodness. When you read Paul, Paul's writings, um, specifically, especially when he's talking to the Philippians, you hear this over and over again. I thank God when I remember you. I thank God when I remember. I remember. I remember. He's always remembering the goodness of God. Paul chose, happy mem- um, chose to partner with happy memories. And happy memories were partially responsible for Paul's ability to rejoice in jail. Paul stewed on the wonders of God during his time in Philippi. Paul would sit there when it's cold and he had been beaten, bruises are kind of hurting. He's wondering if people are remembering him. I'm sure fighting off discouragement and he was human, come on. And he feels these, this darkness and this discouragement and this hopelessness and this anxiety coming against him. And he chooses in that moment to remember. Remember how Lydia and her entire household came to Christ and how the church was birthed in Philippi. He remembered casting out that demon out of that fortune teller girl and seeing her be set free. That was a pretty cool thing to remember and experience. He remembered that he, with the time when he and Silas got thrown into prison and they started praising and worshiping and the earth shook and, and the, the chains came off and the jailer and his whole family came to Christ. I mean, that's pretty cool, you guys. Thank God for to remember that. He remembers that moment. He remembered the moments he got to stand before crowds and preach the gospel. He remembered and he chose to stew on the beautiful work that the Lord had done and how he knit his heart to the Philippians people and how he so loved and longed for those people. He remembered. You know, so often in the Old Testament, you hear the Lord constantly trying to tell Israel, remember, remember, don't forget, remember, don't forget. And you guys, as much as sometimes we resist tradition or repetition, this is why we do it. Because we are prone to wander and we are prone to forget. We just are, we're humans. 
But this is why God puts certain things in place so that weekly we are being reminded, weekly we're being reminded of his body that was broken and his blood that was shed. Weekly we're being reminded that he has risen and it doesn't matter what death is staring you in the face, he has risen indeed. And every week we, we sing our song, praise God from whom all blessings flow because we forget where our blessings come from. And every week we wanna come up here and, and read the Lord's prayer because guess what? Guys, we forget, we forget. But if we truly wanna be people who walk in joy consistently, In the Lord, we have to remember his goodness to us. Number seven, we intentionally celebrate God's goodness in others. So when we are in our deepest, darkest hour, and it stinks because the person next to us is getting blessed with the very thing that we want to be blessed with, the very thing that we've been hoping for, they're getting it. And human nature is jealousy and comparison. And why do they get in and why I don't? But one of the ways that we partner in the Lord, one of the ways it means to rejoice in the Lord is to also be excited for others and to celebrate his goodness in other people's lives. What would that look like, you guys? What would that look like? What would that look like if we were people who didn't compare or become jealous? But in the Lord's strength, the receiving of his daily bread, we can rejoice with others. And number eight, we want to be aware of our own expectations of what we think it means for God to be near to us. We all have expectations of what we think it looks like. I asked Bonnie if I could use her as an example, and she so graciously gave me permission to do that. But some of you guys know Jonathan and Bonnie's story. Some of you don't, part of their story. Um, But they went through a tremendous loss a few years ago, and um, we were blessed to be able to walk with them and still walk with them through that process. But I remember there was a time, it was sometime during the day, and Bonnie and I were chatting, and she was sharing her heart, and she was so frustrated. And she was like, I don't understand. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. And all I've heard my whole life is how God would be there and how he would comfort me and how he'd be near. And I don't see his nearness. I don't see it. I don't feel it. I don't feel peace. I don't feel comfort. I don't feel any of these things. I don't understand. And we talked and we prayed together and and we got off the phone. And then a few hours later, I get a text from her. And she said, I just realized something. I just realized I was expecting God to show up a certain way. But I'm realizing he's been comforting me all along through you and through the people in this church and through the relationships he's given me. God has been near to me. I just didn't see it at the moment. And I think we all do that. We all expect it to be some amazing feeling or experience. And sometimes it is. But a lot of times, you guys, his nearness is the person right next to you. Sometimes his nearness is the person who will just let you cry on their shoulder. Sometimes his nearness is the person who's just willing to listen or pray for you or just be there. Sometimes his nearness is that doctor that's helping you try to figure out how to, how to help you navigate certain things physically. Sometimes his nearness is, 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 is the counselor who's listening and helping you walk through things. God uses so many different things to be near to us, but we limit seeing that sometimes because of our perspective, of our expectations. And so we have to be aware to 
to rejoice in the Lord is to also understand our own expectations and to be willing to let go of some of those expectations to say, Lord, even if this looks different or feels different than I thought, I know you're finding a way to be near to me. And sometimes it's saying, I don't see it, I don't feel it, but help me see it. Amen. So we bring our cares to him. We bring our cares to him honestly, raw, vulnerable. We just bring them to him. And in that moment, we do what Jesus did and said in, in the Garden of Gethsemane says, where he said, you know, if we can, could this cup pass for me? But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And then we receive our daily bread. We receive from him strength. We receive from him the mercy and the grace to do what we need to do on a daily basis. We meditate, we gaze, we chew, we ponder his scripture, worship, messages that encourage us. We choose to remember and to focus his character and we choose to remember his goodness to us in days past. And we choose to celebrate with other people when God is coming through for them and we haven't seen him come through for us yet. We still choose to celebrate with others and we stay aware of our own expectations. And these are just a few ways, you guys. Again, this is not a formula, but these are a few ways that we partner. We partner with the Holy Spirit to produce a rejoicing that goes beyond our natural ability. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, coupled with our daily choices, that produces the ability to rejoice in the Lord in any and all circumstances. And this is important because we tend to go from one, one end of the spectrum to the other, which is it's either, okay, the Lord, it's just completely on the Lord. I'm just gonna sit here and Lord, you just give me everything I need to rejoice and I'm just gonna sit here. All right, there's that spectrum. And there are seasons where the Lord will do that because he knows we, we, we're just maxed. It's time to carry us. And he does carry us. But I don't think he expects us to live in that place at all times. And then there's the other side of the spectrum, which says, I've got to do this. I've got to figure it out. I've just got to suck it up. I've just got to pull up my bootstraps and make it happen. This is all on me. And we're doing what Dan talked about today. We're making us the starting place of rejoicing, where we can be the starting place of rejoicing. He's the starting place of rejoicing. Somewhere in the middle here, you guys, there is a place that says, I have a daily responsibility. I play a part in this. I have choices. I have choices to partner with these principles and other biblical principles. I have a will. I have to submit that will. I have perspectives. I have to submit those perspectives to God and to those relationships around me. But I, it's not enough just to do that. I need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because if I just do all these things without the Holy Spirit, I'm just producing religious works. And at the end of the day, I'm gonna be frustrated and I'm gonna pull away from the Lord and it's not gonna be pretty. <laughs> But on the other hand, if I just sit around lazy, popping chips in my mouth, watching Netflix, waiting God just to show up, I'm going to be disappointed there too. It's kind of like working out. (laughs) New Year's is coming. (laughs) It's like getting healthy. It's not enough just to put on the workout video or to read the great blogs on nutrition. We actually have to practice it. Or not much is going to (laughs) change. All right, we have a responsibility. But at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit has to breathe on that for it truly to produce life. 
Christian joy does not come and go with one's circumstances. Rather, it is predicated altogether on one's relationship with the Lord. There's something there on that. It's not predicated on our circumstances, but on our relationship with the Lord. Now, there is no condemnation if this is not your current reality, okay? It'd be really easy to hear, like I've said this many times, but I just, I just, I know enough of your stories and I know I've processed with enough of you guys to know that if we're not careful, we will take this and we will receive condemnation and that is not what's coming forth today. So if you're hearing that, that's the accuser and you could take authority over that, all right? There is no condemnation if this is not your current reality or if you feel like you gain ground and then you falter because that is the human life experience. It is a process and a journey, you guys. And it is a continually day in, day out work of the Holy Spirit in our life. It's a day-to-day thing. We wanna just do these things and then boom, the rest of our life, we're good. We're set, guys. We are daily dependent on him. We were meant to be dependent on him. We were created to be dependent on him. We were not created to live this life in our own strength and our own way. That's the result of the fall and sin. We were always created to be partnered with him in our daily lives, always. So no condemnation if you're not there because this is a daily process. It takes time. And for some of us, this will come easier than others because we are all unique. We have unique personalities and experiences, strengths and weaknesses. So it's really important that we don't compare. Like, well, man, I got to a rejoicing place faster than that person. Well, good for you. Go pray for them. Go go share some of that joy with them. Go bless them. (laughs) Or on the flip side, man, they get there so fast and there's just something wrong with me. I can't ever get there. Don't compare. But get up every day. Cast your cares on him. Submit your heart and your will. Receive from him his daily bread because that's how we survive. We can't survive without it. Choose to meditate and set your gaze on him. Your heart on him. Even when it's hard, even when you don't feel anything, choose to do it anyway. And do it again and do it again and do it again and do it again until one day you wake up and it's there. Remember his character and his goodness. Remember his goodness to you in days past because he has been so good to you. And at the end of the day, if he did nothing else, salvation alone was worth it all. Rejoice with others and remember your own perspectives. Jonathan, if you don't mind, go ahead and come up. And if our communion attendants can go ahead and get in place. Once again, it is imperative to understand that all these practical principles they're just principles and not formulas, but, but they are powerful. And there's a reason why God gave them to Paul to give to the Philippians, because one day he knew they'd be given to us and we need them. Your will and your self-discipline do play a role. However, your will and discipline will never be enough without this right here, without this. You know, 
I don't know all everybody's circumstances today. I don't know what you're facing, what you have faced, what you walked through. I know some of it. I know some of your stories. I hope to know more. I don't know how you feel or what you came in carrying today. You may be on top of a mountain and I rejoice with you if you are. And I hope you stay up there as long as you can because it's beautiful. But if you're in the valley, I wanna be there with you too. And I want you to know that this I am confident of, that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And perhaps like Paul, it will be said of you that you made a bigger impact on your prison than your prison made on you. So when you find yourself in the place of chaos or in the wilderness, lonely, or if you're in a place of persecution or various types of hardship, if you find yourself in the hospital bed or tied to a kitchen sink or at an office desk that you just doesn't bring you much life or joy. Remember to rejoice in Him always. And over time, watch your prison flame with His brilliant light. Because it's in the darkness that we are truly able to appreciate the brilliance of His beautiful light. May the Lord be near to you today. You know, all this is possible because of Jesus. And that's what we wanna come back to right here. This is only possible because of Jesus. He chose willingly to come into our darkness and to live in our chaos. He chose and submitted himself to 40 days and nights in a season of wilderness. He chose it. And he chose to experience hardship on the cross, a sacrifice that most of us will never, ever, ever truly fathom or understand on this earth. All these things that we run from and that we just pray, will you rescue us from? He chose to come into. And he did it all so that all creation would be redeemed. And so that on days like today and in seasons like these seasons, we can know his nearness. He did it so that all creation could be redeemed and so that we could know his nearness. Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna take this moment to come and to receive the bread and to receive the cup. Please do not feel obligated to do this, but today this is a way of remembering and honoring and worshiping and connecting with a part of who Christ is in a very special and profound way. So we invite you to come. Thank you for listening to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, visit AntiochCOS.com.